Ponds and Recreation Disclaimer. Most of this is made up, and the points don't matter. Don't take our medical advice. Like hypertonic saline, we're pretty salty. No real names or where you work. Some stories may be embellished for effect or to protect the innocent. This is Ponds and Recreation. It is. Welcome. It's time to excite your dendrites. I think they're pretty excited. I would say this is a show with action potential. We're going to have zero listeners at the end of this. All my material in one episode. (laughs) I've got nothing else after this. It's been a great series. Thank you all for listening. That's not true. You have a ton left in the tank. (laughs) Don't tell people about my tank. I've seen your Twitter. Back it up. Back it up. I've also seen your dance moves. They're pretty good. Yeah. Well, you know, like I said. That's why I always identified with Huntington's. I got the dance in me. You're made of the dance. (laughs) I just, I love it. Oh, we're back on, aren't we? We are back. (laughs) So who are you? I've never met you before. Hi, I'm a six foot tall white matter lesion disrupting all your transmissions. Sarabella Ataxia. Oh. I'm just Amy G. Dalla. I was not prepared for this. Oh, I mean, I've got, I am the Pontine stroke that's locked in for a good time. (laughs) I mean, they were just coming to me in the shower the other day. That's what she said. Yeah, we should not be allowed to do this. Oh, Sarah, are you okay? I'm good. I'm just. (laughs) Okay. Okay. You were off camera for a minute. I got a little bit nervous. (laughs) Just head down, entertaining myself, just reveling in my own humor. Once again, what she said. (laughs) On a serious note, guys, I want to tell you that it is okay if you need to talk to someone about anything that you experience at work. Patients, coworkers, whatever it is. Because you should not have to feel like you need to be okay eight hours after you experience some terrible tragedy. I had someone today tell me that they want to dip their brain in propofol to forget what they did last night. And it was awful. And it's someone that I really care about and someone that I love. I never want any of us, APP, nurse, physician, any provider, to feel like this is the only option because it's not. So please take care of yourselves. Sarah and I love each and every one of you and want you to know that we're here for you. So even if you just want to reach out and send us an email or send us a voice message or you just need to connect with someone else, we're happy to help facilitate that or we're happy to listen because we've also been there. We are elderly, so we get it. All we want is for you guys to be healthy and happy, whether that's in a bakery or in an ICU. Or in a derm clinic making a boatload of money doing Botox. That's great. So please love each other and please take care of each other. The Autonomic Storm. Attention, what you're about to hear is satire. Wash your hands, you filthy animals. Wear a mask at all times. Don't sneeze on me. That'll be our flag. Instead of don't tread on me, don't sneeze on me. Preferably just stop sneezing. 
Man, that's a, a tough, tough ask, Sarah. I have a lot of allergies. I'm pretty sure we could figure out a way to break that circuit. So did you hear the who, not the band, declared an end to COVID? That means that we can burn all our masks. You don't have to worry about fevers anymore. I recommend actually not taking temperatures. I want us, though, to revisit that we have to think about surfaces because I frequently lick surfaces. What do you think about masking before you lick a surface? I think that in order to build your immune system up correctly, that you should be licking at least three different surfaces an hour. An hour? Preferably hard, non-porous. Again, what she said. Do you also think that Ebola is done? So, like, 90s, really. And then it made its little resurgence like 10 years ago. I mean, it's the cycle. Bell bottoms came back. Ebola comes back. It's fine. I wasted pants. I guess that's when monkeypox came back, too. Look at all of these conspiracies. I know, right? Mm. I say just live your life. Go for it. And Lick um, every surface. Climb every mountain. <laughs> This is going so off the rails. This is not a motto for 2023. What would it be? I mean, I just feel very like I'm trying to decrease the population here with bad advice. But this is why we have a disclaimer. That no one should listen to us. Okay, so tell me about Black Swan. So Black Swan is Natalie Portman is a crazy ballerina perfectionist. I mean, the more I think about it, the more it kind of relates to what we all do every day, especially in critical care, because we're all a little nuts, perfectionist mm -hmm. type A psychopaths. This movie's like, what, 10 years old, more than that now. So I don't really remember yeah. all of it. Um, she gets in sort of a relationship with, um, you know, that one actress, Ukrainian birth, that 70s show. Bishork. Oh, Bjork is Icelandic, you psychopath. Yeah, she is. But I just am thinking about the swan and, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, she had a great swan dress. I do remember that. But anyway, she gets into a relationship with her and mm. then it was sort of falling apart and then you can't tell what's real and what's not. But in the end, she dances Swan Lake as the black swan. She ends up stabbing herself in like some weird hallucinatory trip. The ending, everyone's like giving her a standing ovation and she's like, because she had like fallen backwards as part of the act and everything. And so like everyone's coming to her like, stand up. And she's like bleeding out like onto where she landed. And that's when she's like, I just want it to be perfect. It was perfect. And that's how the movie ends. So we don't know if she met our friend Oliver Lack or not, right? Right. I mean, we don't know if she also met uh, the big Jeebus upstairs or not. <laughs> I am so excited that in a future episode, we will have Oliver Lack. I met him in person and he's exquisite. So I just. Agreed. I can't wait. <laughs> and the deeper I got into that, man, the more and, he did not want to know me. And he has got a voice for podcasting. Let me tell you. He truly does. And every time like we were together, he somehow made it so he didn't have to be in the place that no one wanted to be. Like <laughs> he has a gift. I was very proud to know him for the last several days. Yeah, just he, like that. <laughs> he may or may not regularly like manage the rest of us in a very oh. subtle way where 
he doesn't really let us know. Like it's not out there that he's managing us, but he's managing us. <laughs> so I have some updates from Thalamus 99. I'd love to, like hear, to them. hear them. So our pal, D. Lirio, one of our loyal listeners. We have loyal listeners? We do. I actually just checked before we started to record. We have 91 plays all time. We have 10 subscribers on Spotify. Oh, go team. Nice. Uh, most of us are from the U.S., but once again, shout out to our Canadian listener. Go Canada. Yes. I think they really enjoyed our CJD shout out. Do you think it's Justin but, Trudeau? Oh, we can only hope. I actually was hoping for Celine Dion, but now that you say that, I think she's in the U.S. currently. Hmm. Not moving hey. a whole lot either. Hey, she just canceled all those dates. It's still fresh. Keep it together, Sarah. Is it too soon? It's too soon. So anyway, D wants us to know that deep brain stimulation for Parkinson's as well as essential tremor is something that she does. She does it weekly on Tuesdays. Huh. I know. And she said that we were right, at, which is surprising, honestly, enough to me. We were right about something? We were. And so she sent me a whole boatload of things that I had to Google, which is why I am not a neurologist. Let's just be clear. And so our targets um, are GPI, which is internal globus palatus, for those in the know, and then STN, the subthalamic nucleus for Parkinson's. And she, and this is her words, these are not mine, the ventral intermediate nucleus of the thalamus. Thalamus is what she targets with her DBS, and she's a DBS programmer. How cool is that? That is amazing of our lips. I <laughs> I timed <laughs> that one. I wanted you to spit all your water out because hydration is not important. You know, I think that we said there are many parts of the thalamus, and if you zap one of them, you're zapping a lot of them. She just thought, took that as us being correct about something. Okay. I'll take a win wherever I can take it. You know, I think in the grand scheme of things, we weren't explicitly wrong. And that's really how I practice medicine is just hedging my bets. Truth. <laughs> Results of our polls also. So no one wants familial fatal insomnia. Did we really need a poll to tell us that? I'm just saying. People are saying, this is my nightmare as it is mine. People would rather have CJD. I think I'd still rather have fatal familial insomnia than locked-in syndrome, though. Oh, yeah, because eventually you just die and you're not just sitting there aware of everything. 100%, yes. Yeah. At yeah. least I get to go a little loony on the on the back end there. Like Black Swan. I just wanted to be perfect. And what else do we have? Oh, as a whole, we tend to unleash our inner divas in the shower. And I'm very surprised by this one. This week, we asked people how they cope since we are talking about Black Swan and mental health and wellness. And as suspected, coffee, high on the list. Zero votes for Trash TV so far this week. Really? Are you a fan of the Trash TV? Oh, 100%. What is your go-to Trash TV show? Depends on the week. One of my attendings and I are very into this cadre of hot dumpster fires that Netflix puts out. So 
The Love is Blind, The Ultimatums, The Too Hot to Handle. And I'll like, you know, watch an episode or two of Too Hot to Handle. And then I'm just like, this is too much for me. She's into it. She loves Below Deck. We have somebody else at work that is very into Vanderpump Rules. So I'm making them explain all of the drama to me because I have seen a lot of memes about this because apparently there was a reunion. I don't know. I know nothing about any of these. I have somehow spared myself from this dumpster fire. Well, so what I would say is if you need something to like brighten your day, Indian matchmaker is great because Seema Auntie like tells you what is up. She's like, what do you want? And then they give them this, like her this list of stuff that they want in a person. And she's like, yeah, that's not happening for you. <laughs> let's just stay in our lanes and let's do something attainable. She I remember my high jealous. school guidance counselor telling me that for college applications. <laughs> like, oh, you want to do what? Hmm. <laughs> that's you know, that's what mine said too. And they tried really hard to get me to go to like a next state over school and they were just going for it. And I was like, yeah, no, I don't, I don't think I need your help right now. Yeah. So, mm-hmm, sir, here yeah. I am. Showed you what? Showed you what's up. Yeah. So people are into coffee, gym, their family, friends and family. People do other, I think, things out there like walking their dogs. So I do enjoy that. I met the sweetest therapy dog ever. Yes. What's his name? Or his her name? name? Was, his name was Biscuit. <sighs> I know. And Biscuit loved me. I was sitting in the exhibit hall because this is the best exhibit hall in the entire world. They have little therapy dog corner and it had a lamppost and it was just, it was beautiful. And I was petting Biscuit and Biscuit and I were bonding. And then he put his paw on top of my hand to hold my hand. Oh, they really can sense people who are mentally unwell. It's true. He totally knew. Meanwhile, (laughs) the dog that we have at work, Cowboy, who likes everyone, does not like me. They can sense evil, too. I guess Cowboy's a little more in tune to that than Biscuit. (laughs) <laughs> I think Biscuit just wanted to save you. He's like, this, I think I still have a chance here. Biscuit was like this beautiful black German shepherd, and I just could not get over him. I wanted to just like cuddle with him all day. I just love that our therapy dogs at work have little trading cards associated with them. So you got oh. you got to pet them all. We had some trading cards during COVID because they wouldn't let us touch the dogs. And so they Mm -hmm. gave us their business card. And so we had them in the office for a while. But that was the worst. They were so sad. Like, why can't you touch me? I always love it when it's like finals time and they just have them like armed at the library for all the students and everything. So like, you know, someone's trying to study for organic chem and they're just destroyed on the inside. And then little Kenny just makes it all better. Oh, they should be like rappers. Every dog should be a little something. Little biscuit would totally work. Oh, little biscuit, not limp biscuit. Little biscuit. No one really likes a limp biscuit. No, we. I mean, we talked about that before, right? No one likes that. No one likes that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so would you like to transition to mental health and wellness? Sure. So, um, speaking of dancing and. Since we're doing Black Schwan, which is our focus on, I'm sure, first of many episodes of mental health and wellness. I've never been to a silent disco. I have not. Please explain this. So, once again, 
delirium, queen of my heart, right? She has always told me that I need to go to one of these and I'm lame and not cool and have never gone. However, at the large conference that I just returned from, there was a nurse's night out and there was a silent disco. So you get your headphones at the door. And for this one, it was just one channel. Sometimes there are multiple channels and we heard the DJ, but, and it's in a planetarium. Um, And so there was like no music out playing. It was just in your headphones and it was incredible. So as an outsider, all I saw were people dancing, bopping in this planetarium, and then they were all singing together. They had no idea. So it literally allows other people to experience what we experience all the time of constantly singing along to songs that are only in our head. Correct. And I just felt so at home. (laughs) So at home. Then you realize you still weren't wearing headphones and you could still hear the music. (laughs) I did take them off one time just to like revel in the fact that everybody was screaming, I want to dance with somebody. I love this. And do you feel like your mental health benefited from this? Oh, so I want to do a study. Where, you know, we have all these things at work, right? Some people have meditation rooms or I worked at a place where they had a community knitting project in the corner of the hospital that no one could ever go to. And so, you know, there's a coffee bar there and you could knit next to the water feature. But I think what maybe we should try is we get a pair of headphones that are like Bluetooth. Maybe they're cheap to start, right? We all already have some sort of music account for our ICUs. I think this is a thing people have been doing. Music in the ICU seems to be everywhere. So, or God forbid, you pair your own phone with these headphones, right? So that instead of you sitting there coloring, you end up dancing it out for like two to five minutes and see what happens. I really want to do it. And I think there's literature for dancing and depression. There's dancing for, you know, just exercise. And sometimes you just need to dance it out so then you don't cry at the Pixis. I don't I know. Mean, where... I mean, I could still see someone like crying and twerking at the same time as those emotions come out. Truth. But I also am curious. We're going to have to ask one of our PA colleagues where do they cry? Because, like, we cry at the Pixis, or we used to as bedside nurses. I can't get into the Pixis anymore, so, like, that's not an option. I mean, isn't that what, like, the call room is for? Oh, you have a call room? Yes. Oh. We With don't sheets, have Sheets are soaked in tears. At least I hope it's tears. Oh, Ooh. God. Bring your own sheets. Please bring your own sheets. PSA. I don't want to know what Sarah's been doing in the call room. Hey. <laughs> it's just a lot of crying i'm a lady of reputation ma'am i guess that's fair and then you probably are so caffeinated that it's very very salty it's not anything else but as one of my great friends does say coffee is not hydration that's it yes i mean she ended up getting pilo from drinking too much coffee. So the next sentence usually is when people are like, well, is decaf hydration? She's like, go pilo or go home. You know what? My kidneys can suck it up. That's disgusting. She is a beast and I love her. <laughs> she also bought us a blow up dinosaur costume. Is it a yeah, T-Rex? Of course it is. Oh, I'm so excited to see you in this one day. 
Oh yeah. I'm going to bring it to our um, conference at some point. And like the introvert in me is like, Oh, too much attention. Mm. Too large. I mean, I don't know that I'm bothered by too big, but there's something right in that sweet spot. Those kind of mid-sized conferences as you have like those breakouts, you can get those like smaller, nice size groups and not everything's just a few hundred people sitting there listening to the same thing. You know, it's fine for the keynote. It's fine for some of it, but um, it's really nice to be able to have some like one-on-one FaceTime and some small group chatter. I think that's really where the magic is. So I stick with that. How many people are you talking for small, medium, large? I have absolutely no idea. I have no concept. Like you could tell me that a conference I've been to had 500 attendees or 5,000 attendees. And I probably believe you because I actually just don't know the difference. Once numbers get bigger than like 10, I just really have trouble discriminating. Hmm. Okay. So you may be the man who mistook his partner for a hat at some point in your life. Excellent. I'm ready. No, it's a completely different thing. Did you know many cultures don't have a number for anything bigger than four? It's like one, two, three, a lot. That's their number system. And like most animals to a certain number, it's like they can only really discriminate like up to three or four. And then after that, it's just many. So inherently, we're wired for that. I did not know that. Knowledge bomb. Oh, yeah. I wish I had a knowledge drop button. I don't. Maybe someday we'll make one. Yeah, I mean, we can make our own. We should make knowledge our own. Knowledge bomb. Pew, 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 pew. Every time that's what's going to happen. So what I will tell you is that our specialty conference is like a, maybe a couple thousand tops. Okay. Um, because our membership is really like five-ish thousand in that group. Yeah. The conference I just went to is a large group. The conference attendees was about 5,000. Gotcha. So that was, it was pretty exciting. And I think one of the hints for me is sometimes how many concurrent sessions are going at a time. When we go to a conference together, ours is traditionally like two, maybe three. But the one that I was just at had like five, six, seven. Gotcha. And then the really big one that I can think of that I went to the first nursing conference I ever went to was like 10,000 people. See, that's a convention. That's not a conference anymore. Oh, yeah. It was Nurse Coachella. Like, it just, (laughs) it was wild. Uh, But this week was really fun. And people talk a lot about filling their cup. Do you use that phrase? Oh, absolutely. That is such an overused mental health, wellness, resiliency question or phrase. You know, does this fill your cup? What does it mean to you to have your cup filled? It's the difference between good tired and bad tired, right? Like you can have a really crazy day clinically. You could have been running, barely had food, barely had time to go to the bathroom. But at the end of it, you're like, oh, my God, I saved this person's life. I caught that thing. I headed off this thing before it became a problem. And today was just great. And I wouldn't have changed it. And that's that's the cup filling. Then there's the other one. There's the bad tire. There's I was running around because we were understaffed. And then I had to like argue with the physician for like an hour just to get what I needed to take care of the patient I'm taking care of. And then, you know, I couldn't do the discharge stuff because the accepting facility just wouldn't do it because they had a fever like a week ago and they're scared we didn't ever treat the infection and Mm -hmm. blah, 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 blah. 
Well, and I think you hit the nail on the head. There's a piece of moral residue too, where you have a couple of those bad days in a row and it's not like the day before goes away. You're just adding to that. Exactly. That. And then there's the dread when you're coming into work. And then should I be a nurse? Should I open a Philly cheesesteak shop? Should I just <laughs> rescue a bunch of cats? Like there are many questions that we ask ourselves, right? Absolutely. I'm going to start my own animal shelter here. Just do you that could. for a while. With your I menagerie, could. you could. I'm working on it. <laughs> right. It's always my backup. So I will say that I think this phenomenon might only be a nursing, now we've used the word convention, so I would like to do that, nursing convention thing, where when the exhibit hall opens, it is like Black Friday at Walmart. (laughs) I am going to get every pen from every company. It's kind of fun, right? You go around and you meet people. And I made some really great connections last week with a new scrub company that makes scrubs out of recycled water bottles, and they're very sweet. And I saw some of our pals from our society in person, but there were people that had multiple shopping bags. Like it looked like they had gone to Bloomies (laughs) or Nordies and just made a haul. I just, I'm not that aggressive anymore, I guess. So I took the lip balm. I got some really cool little rubber ducks for my kiddo. And then you're going to be super proud of me. So there was a group that had Yetis the first day that everyone was like, oh, like you have to go get a Yeti. And they didn't have any more. So we were talking to the guy. I want to call him a kid because he literally looked like he was 15. And he was saying that he was from close to where me and my colleague were from, coming from. And so I just, at that point, was so tired because it was the last day. I was like, all right, bro, like what you got for us? Wouldn't you know? Yeah, girl. Get to Yeti. What is that on that Yeti? So I, uh, this is going to give away where I was, but we went to the Muter Museum. Talk about cup filling. So for those of you who don't know, the Muter Museum is built as a, a place of medical oddities. But what I would say, it is more intriguing. I don't want to ruin it for anyone. There were very cool places where it had how fractures healed when they weren't set properly, which to me was interesting. They had like a giant, that. like toxic megacolon. Oh. That was incredible. It was gigantic. Sarah, when I say huge, I mean like pull up a chair and a half kind of huge because that thing is going to fit on it. Don't you think toxic megacolon sounds like maybe like a Spider-Man villain? As, as someone who has watched a lot of Spider-Man today. This is why I brought this up. <laughs> yes. Yes, we've been watching Spidey and his amazing friends, and it took me a little bit longer than I would care to admit to say that I figured out that it was Patrick Stump that sings the songs <laughs> on there. It's just like, why is Fallout Boy playing a Spider-Man song? And to the point where I had to Google it. And of course, my sister is like, duh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just slow on the uptake over here. It's outstanding. Anyway, so the Muter Museum is wonderful. I actually have on the other side of my Yeti some local artist stuff. So Very nice. Yeah. So would you say that going to conferences, like when you're feeling professional burnout, is a good way to recharge? For me, it is. And I'm that weird, like, I feel like I'm kind of an introvert because I really, I like doing things by myself. But I met really wonderful people and I had the 
opportunity to be part of um, the planning committee. Now I'm really going to out myself, but it was really cool to help with a large event and meet these incredible human beings that are doing work that is so similar and they all have the same struggles. So it doesn't matter if you work for a private physician group, if you're the only APP in your group, if you're a brand new CNS, it was just all the same thing. And I wonder where our PA colleagues get this from and if they have an experience like this somewhere. I mean, I think not being a PA and I don't want to speak for people as a whole, but I think, you know, the other professional societies aimed more like at our physician colleagues are probably where they get that. And it's, it's funny as APPs, we sort of get stuck in the middle on a lot of stuff because I've even had NPs who did not want to go to the nursing conference anymore because that was for mm -hmm. bedside nurses. That was mm -hmm. for RNs and mm -hmm. I'm an NP now. So now I want to go to this mm -hmm. other thing, but I think there's some of those really cool professional societies that are based on a specialty or population or whatever, that it's not about who are you on the team. It's about, we all take care of this and how do we do it together? And so that there's sections for the uniqueness of each profession that's part of that. But it's really about like, here's how we are going to take care of this type of patient from now on. And so that's the kind of ones that I think are really really serve APP's best and where I see like our PA colleagues get really into, but I think it's a different, it's a different pathway for them. And some of those more physician centric societies still haven't really welcomed them fully into it where I know there's others that have done a really good job of incorporating APP's into that and saying like, even if it doesn't have as big of a nursing presence that you're still providers too, and you're taking care of our patients with us. So we need to have the right type of education for you based on what your education and training is. Speaking of collaborative relationships, did I tell you that I met the mother of the CAM ICU score? You did. You sent me a fangirl picture. I just really want to know. I was Leslie Nope meeting Joe Biden. <laughs> but Sarah, she approached me. I did not seek her out. She say, ma'am, please back away from my belongings. She did <laughs> so not because you were rifling through her purse like a psychopath, like looking for a lock of hair you could take home to try and clone her? No, I was happened to be stationed like right near the exhibit hall and stuff. And she was looking for somewhere to eat. And I was like, oh, you know, you can go over here, over here. And I was like, but I just have to tell you, like, I really, I love you. And the person that was with her was like, he, 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 like, yes, isn't she wonderful? And Brenda goes, I just want to take you guys all home with me. Like, no one gets this at home. And that struck me that someone who created something that we use every day does not have, like, the Pope mobile. <laughs> but, I mean, that's the thing is, like, Artists are never recognized in their own generation as being great, right? Like, you're just a peer. You're just another one. You're just this person who did this thing. Oh, other people are doing that too. Good for you. But, you know, I also saw you mess up and, like, trip over your own shoelaces three seconds ago. So you ain't so great. <laughs> well, and I think the funny part is, and I told her this, is that my first SCCM was when her colleague was the keynote doing the ABCDEFGHIJK bundle. And I was sitting there thinking, there has to be a nurse involved in this. 
so there she is and she gets this award and she was just like the cool like our heroes in our field the coolest one of them knew me by sight on the conference and now i feel like we're buddies which is wonderful and then i hailed our president and introduced our president to one of my colleagues too and it was just they're so wonderful and everyone says like don't meet your heroes and just do it and she was like he's not going to respond he created all this work and published all these things why would he want to talk to me he responded within like 12 hours of her just gently asking for a request he's like yeah here i can email you this stuff also though we should really like have a quick zoom meeting we can really talk this out and i'd love to know more about your project and maybe i can give you some tips and pointers and what worked for me people want to share they did this because they're passionate about it and they want other people to do it it's not competitive so no. reach out say hi that's the best part, I think, about the APP group. And maybe there's a little bit more competitiveness on the physician side just because they have the RVUs and they want the glory. But I think as APP is like Dave Carpenter is a prime example. This man trucks along, does all of his cool stuff about billing and is like, yeah, no, that's fine. I'll teach you guys how to do this. You guys should know how to be productive. Well, yeah, you should be because you did the damn thing. But <laughs> none of it is... The first question is not like, where am I in this line? You know, it's right. how I did this. You should not reinvent the wheel and let's go. Uh, and maybe that'll change with our next generation of physicians. I, I work with a lot of very inclusive physicians that have grown up with APPs. They know what we do. I think they really want us to elevate ourselves. And for me, that's why I keep going to work. Yeah. Well, and I mean, it's even like, where I work, our hospital, that would be our biggest competition. You know, one of our physicians moved over there and was building an APP program to kind of mirror what we had. And was like, hey, would you give me your pointers and your help? It's like, yeah, absolutely. Hey, and what should we also just do like a meet between the two and we can both grow our programs? Because it turns out like both of our programs will get better. And it's not about like which one's better because the patients over there aren't going to come to ours. So like, why don't we just all just treat our patients better? Yeah, because it's about outcomes at the end of the day. Yeah, and that's really what we should be focused on. And, you know, like when you can share resources, it also makes it easier to get stuff done because then, you know, like instead of asking $10,000 from my institution, I can ask for five and someone asks from five for theirs and you have a better chance of sponsoring something. So one of the girls that I was working with just looked at me and she was like, hmm, I was like, what? Like, I'll do whatever you need. And she was like, really? And I was like, yeah, just email me. Like, I don't even know what you're thinking of. That is my specialty, but it sounds like you don't really have that. And I'm happy to help you because this is dumb. Like you yeah. should not have to figure this out on your own. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Mindset of, Hey, like we know that it's weird. We know that our patients are a little strange. We're really cool. And we want to help you guys. We know that, you know, Sometimes it's not necessarily everyone's cup of tea to take care of our patients, but yeah, absolutely. Here's something that somebody brought up while we were popping around the conference. They find that when they go to conferences, it's really wonderful because they meet people maybe outside of their like really specific critical care niche, but similar enough that we all have the same problems. And they said, I love hanging out with my work friends, but it seems like it turns into this just terrible venting session every time. And that's not right. what I need. How do you feel? It's really hard because we have a lot of people who they're from the area. They've always been here. They only know this hospital and they think the problems they're seeing are 
just this hospitals and they don't look at the bigger issues or look read things from other institutions or online on discussion boards and a society reading about yeah we have this exact same staffing problem yeah we can't one-to-one -one these patients ever yeah our charge nurses can't be free floating right now everyone's got suggestions on how we can be better and we all can be but there's also not a money tree either right like mm -mm. we all everything's more expensive we're paying people more overall the cost of the things we do to other human beings is way more expensive and our insurance companies are finding new and creative ways to pay us less for the same work that we've been doing so it's kind of shrinking everything from both sides and so that causes problems and so we have to be creative about stuff but you know if you look around and you read some of the stuff it's everyone feels the same staffing issues. Everyone's paying too much for travelers right now. And the ones who aren't, who say, we're not going to pay that anymore, lose their travelers and shut down services. So like, there's not a right answer. So like, yeah, it'd be great if my hospital offered more money for professional reimbursement. And it would mm -hmm. be great if we didn't need people to work. Turns out people don't always do that well. And turns out not everyone can work Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. <laughs> Because strokes happen on Saturday and Sunday. And let me tell you, like. So you're telling me the hospital doesn't shut down at like six o'clock every night where you are? No, we are a 24 7 institution. That's it's so new. Weird. It was something new that we piloted recently. And like people know it going into it. And like you have these people who are like, yeah, totally, whatever. What's a holiday? I don't know what Memorial Day or Labor Day is. I've never, never had it off before. What's the big deal? Mm -hmm. What happens? But then there's other people who are like, well, I have children. And I was like, yeah, and that's important. But so does everyone else here. <laughs> like, there's 20 other yeah. people with kids here who find a way to make it work. And I think that's part of the, like that work-life balance and healthy stuff. Like, how do you make it work for your family? Like I knew someone, they basically did like the 12 days of Christmas, the 12 days leading up to Christmas. Yeah. Because both the husband and wife like worked God schedule jobs. And so they would just like each day was just sort of like a mini Christmas celebration because generally one of them was always working on Christmas. Yeah. And then I knew another family, the kids didn't know that Christmas was actually the same day every year because <laughs> they always celebrated it on a different day. Like it wasn't until they were like slightly older and like, you know, other school kids are like, what do you mean? It's December 25th. And they're like, yeah, but Santa comes just, you know, you never quite never. know what day he's going to come. Like they're like, no, December 25th. <laughs> But that, I think, is like the spirit of the holiday that some people who are in more traditional nine to five jobs or have been for a long time don't understand where maybe for those kids, it's less about like the specific things leading up to it, but more about the traditions that that family can make or that group can make, yeah. which it's like Friendsgiving, right? Like you don't necessarily have Friendsgiving on Thanksgiving. Right. I mean, I always loved working Thanksgiving in the hospital because it was like Friendsgiving there. Like we would all, everyone does a potluck, right? And like, isn't that just state law? You have to do that. And I so, think so. And then your patient that is a 3T orphan because their family is some, from so far away that they can't visit because they got transferred to your hospital, gets the football game in their room so that everyone goes to visit. And so they're not alone. They're with right. their family too. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I mean, that's the kind of stuff I also, I didn't fully hate working New Year's Eve all the time. Um, no way. It's a great excuse. Like, are you kidding me? At some point I'm just like, 
You can just go have champagne, whatever I want. I'm an adult. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, we bring in the sparkling grape juice. But it's fun when you actually have, like, a patient who's there, too, and they're, like, awake and allowed to drink things. And yes. Like, here. We're going to do a little toast here. You could actually give them sparkling cough. You could give them a sparkling cough. Oh, I think the one holiday that I usually didn't work was 4th of July or tried not to work because my birthday is so close to it. And my holiday is my birthday, right? So I tried to take that whole time off. But it really, I did work on my birthday one day just because my husband's um, essentially stepmom had passed away and then we had to go to her service and stuff. And people made me a cake. Like it was wild. So even if you have to do your birthday at work, like your work family takes care of you, you know? Absolutely. You know, like we talked about how conferences like refill your cup professionally, but like, are there things that you can do inside the shift? You know, just thinking about like your work family baking you the cake or throwing that like birthday celebration. Are there things that you can just do like in the moment, in the shift that like gives you that little bit of charge to make it all the way through? Oh, my problem is that now that I'm in this new ish role, um, I am everyone's emotional support peacock, but that's what I like because uh, I enjoy moral, moral distress. That sounds like a bad sentence. I enjoy moral distress. Um, <laughs> I thrive on it. I eat it for breakfast. But like you can just tell, right? And like some days it's you that needs to pick me up and some days it's your people. And so like how hard is it to be like, yo, I have a minute. I'm going to go grab some coffee. What do you guys not want? Not do you want anything? It's what do you want? Oh, the open-ended question. Do you fall? It's when was the last time you've fallen? Right. right? So then it makes people feel like it's okay. And like our group is to the point where like we're a weird band of siblings. We're going to add a new sibling in soon, but we just kind of know how everybody takes their coffee or like when we do an afternoon coffee run. And so if somebody is like bopping with multiple admissions, like it's just easy to be like, no, no, like I'll take this one and like, you go grab coffee for the rest of us and come back. Yeah. We are big There's fans of the surprise birthday party. Our gift shop has Paw Patrol, unicorns, all sorts of sparkly giant like Mylar balloons. Oh. And so it's very common to get ambushed on rounds by a group of us. Usually they see like the rest of the team walking up to them on rounds and like our attending just starts shaking their head and wishing that they worked with a professional team. Mm. And then all of a sudden a balloon appears and it's tied to your wow for the rest of the day. And as you're rounding, you have your giant birthday balloon. And there's usually some level of singing in that. It's really good, though. I will say timing is everything. So when the family's there on rounds and they're trying to plan when they're having their goals of care discussion, generally the Paw Patrol balloon is not considered productive to rounds at that moment. So... Mm -hmm. <laughs> post-op patient following the pathway that like doesn't have any veins mm -hmm. that's an okay but one <laughs> that's time that we can all smile a little <laughs> we did our first ambush after rounds for somebody who had a birthday that they refused to tell us about and you know they can spend it however they want however we decided that we were going to celebrate them and i have one attending that colludes with me like no other and so he brought in a cake and I made a little card and we presented it post frowns and our fellow was just, I think, slightly mortified, but also proud that she worked with us. 
And we did a random birthday celebration for someone who we had missed their birthday because I just couldn't get my life together for that. And it was like the same thing. And we sang to them. They were mortified. It was wonderful. That's amazing. I love that. After lunch each day, it is time for wellness yoga. And anyone who is just like free floating at that moment goes out, rounds up the nurses. She's like this wise old owl of an NP on the unit. If you are free and not busy, you go to that break room. And in five minutes, you're going to do some stretches. You're going to do some stuff for your core, get your posture back up. So you're standing up straight again instead of being slouched over your computer. And that's it. And it's like, why can't people take just five minutes for that? And other people are like, well, that's amazing that they have that time. It's like, no, you all have that time. You have to do it. And you have to say this is important. That's probably like how you have to work out, right? Like I chose to be a sloth mm-hmm. today. Absolutely. Secret. I'm not wearing pants yet. Why am I still wearing pants? Um, I'm going to have to make you one of these when I put my cricket back together. I have a sign on our door that says home is where the pants aren't. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Pants and recreation. Pants optional since 2023. Why wear pants? Why? They're so restrictive. I know. I don't need something around my waist to tell me that I'm pushing at the outskirts of the next BMI level. Amen. That was (laughs) the worst part about this conference I just went to because I had to look like, you know, semi-professional and finding pants that fit. Mm -mm. But I will say the kids are onto something with these high-waisted pants. I got some really cute ones. People were like, oh, these are the pants you're talking about? I was like, yeah. They're like, they're very cute. I said, thank you. Look at you, fashionable. Hot pink is very in this year. If anyone's looking for conference attire, a hot pink suit, people are digging it. I love that. Very legally blonde, very Barbie. Yes. I, I don't know if it's the Barbie movie or that we're like officially out of COVID and everyone's celebrating with big pops of color, but they are like neon Barbie pink and it's a monochromatic look and I dig it. Are you going to watch the Barbie movie? You know, I wasn't sure. And then I just keep seeing all these little memes that people are making and it looks kind of fun. Yeah. I don't think I'm going to go to the theater, but second that thing's streaming. We have a drive-in close to us. Not that I could do that with my child, but that would be like a fun drive-in movie, I'm thinking, for the children and or me. (laughs) Is it made for children or is it made for adults? Or is it one of those where it's going to like straddle? Oh, that's what she said. I don't know. (laughs) I love doing a podcast with Michael Scott. (laughs) You set him up, I knock him down. This is why this works. It's true. It's true. I like it. I can work with that. What else do we do for our health and wellness? Oh, you know who I forgot to mention? Um, so there's this comedian, Maisun Zaid. If you have not heard her, run, don't walk out of this browser session and find her. She is incredible. She was one of the keynote speakers at the conference I went to. And she's a comedian with CP. Yes, tick tack away. And she is real of all real and she covers everything like disability advocacy disability rights how she interacts with the healthcare system she made the joke that she's older than the ADA but she didn't have protection when she was little so her dad was just like no she's going to go to regular school it's not an intellectual disability she has a like a visible physical disability right. and so her dad ended up being this 
really excellent advocate for her, even though he was, you know, a pretty fresh immigrant and wasn't really sure what the options were. So for me, it really hit home that like our specialty patients post-cardiac arrest, post-intensive care syndrome, post-TBI, post-stroke need that advocacy because sometimes their families don't know, but we have these things that we can do for them. Her story was really inspiring. She was so funny and she calls the disability community the disco. I thought that was great because she was not somebody that's saying like, well, just this type of disability. She was saying there's a visible disability like CP or there's invisible disability like mental health and wellness. So we're all the same community, right? Mm -hmm. I think a lot of us in nursing, in APP land, in physician land, live there. Right. And I mean, there's a difference between maybe more organic processes or mental health issues based on situation. Like there's different versions of this. And I think we as a healthcare system are very ableist about stuff. And I think it can happen from powers that be or from peers where it's like, well, they're just not taking care of themselves. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's your fault you're in there. Yes. <laughs> and so this is your punishment for not doing your wellness module. And like, that's right. not what it is. But I mean, it's, you, there is like that weird balance though. Like at some point you also can't force someone to do wellness activities. So you kind of have to meet in that middle. Like how do we get there? And it's so individualized. What keeps me sane is going to be very different than what keeps you sane. What I think you hit it on the head though, like being present for your team members and mm -hmm. being aware that everyone is a little bit different. And just because like today I need a coffee doesn't mean that tomorrow I don't need a 3 a.m. stretch break. Uh, that's the hard part too, is that the wellness module prescribes a way to do this. And it is truly that organic, like this is what works for me right now, today. And tomorrow it's different. We need to live like toddlers. That is just self-help book 101, right? <laughs> Look at the toddler. They're happy. You know, it's also very like Taoist. What is, is. So just be in the moment and do what you do. Yes, I think it is quite Taoist. That was, I think, my favorite world religion when I had to take that class. See, I took it in the guise of Catholic school, so my world religion class was much more. I went to a very tiny Church of Christ college. I was very surprised that my world religions class was literally like, here are other religions of the world. Go enjoy. See what you find. Oh, but it was UCC? They're pretty open humans. They can be pretty hippie about it. I, there's two versions, though, I've heard. There's like one. Not so much that way. But then there's the other version that's like, yeah, cool. Be who you be, we like you. We were like skirting towards the be who you want to be. And so my college in particular was the black sheep of the UCC group. So gotcha. like, oh, that liberal group. And I was like, mm, you want to see a liberal? Here's a Vermonter. <laughs> I'll show you this. I'll go straight up to anarchy if I have to. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> My no country for old men uterus short would not have been welcome on campus at that point. <laughs> I love that. Here we are. So yeah, it, she was great. Um, and it, she really like delivered a good message and it was like some serious stuff, but also like a very nice way to have some stress relief with some giggling. And she's a recurring character on General Hospital. I love that totally would know who you are. I feel bad that I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you should feel bad about that. My mom likes days of our lives. Oh, yeah. I was never a big like daytime soap person. Never got roped in. 
well, apparently it's my fault because when she was pregnant with me and then like home with me, that's when she got into it. That's <laughs> just roped her right in. It's true. I always love with like the ableism stuff too. Like, I mean, it's such a big part of DEI and I think we focus <sighs> so much on the racial ethnic part of DEI and then sometimes like the LGBTQ plus community and all of that. But we don't think about the diversity of diversity and like what that actually can mean. You know, accessibility is a part of DEI. And do you have an audible version for people who have vision impairment or do you have large mm -hmm. print or all these other items, you know, with like patient education, even how do we allow people and even with like mental health, you have someone with severe social anxiety going to a doctor's appointment is probably a true horror show in having yeah. to like interact with other people. <laughs> and maybe it's better post COVID because there's a little bit less, you know, in the waiting room area stuff, but I can't imagine or like going to the hospital for your specialist appointment. Right. And now we have all this telemedicine service and it's like, oh yeah, you can just use your home blood pressure cuff, just type it into our little software. It'll go right into your chart and mm -hmm. we're good that way. We can monitor it that way. Don't come in. Oh, don't worry, though. We're going to stop reimbursing for that, though, says Big Insurance. It's like every time we just want to take better care of people, someone says, that's great. You do it. We won't help. Yeah, right. Oh, speaking of DEI, I have the lower SES because we were talking about this a couple weeks ago at work. And I feel like that's also a big piece of DEI that we're missing in the conversation, at least, because it is focused somewhere else right now, which is important, too. I just think that it's a different approach when you go see your frequent flyer in the ED that is Dilaudid turkey sandwich. And then somebody else said it the other day, one day something's really going to be wrong with them. And are you going to miss it because Dilaudid turkey sandwich every day? Right. You know, when you talk about like the stigma of like substance use disorders, mm -hmm. you know, we had someone who had a true trauma, had a history of opioid abuse was requiring lots of medicine to cope with their current pain. And we were having trouble transitioning them to a regimen that we all felt comfortable discharging them on. Who's going to manage that out there? Like, you know, the patient's like, here's what's worked for me. I was like, that's great. I'm happy to give you that for now. Mm -hmm. Who's going to help you out in two weeks? <laughs> you know, who's going to follow this? Who's going to make sure that you're de-escalating this at times and don't slide back how do we do it safely? It's like, yeah, you do need these medications right now. And you do need doses that may seem different <laughs> than yes. what someone else would need because of previous tolerances and what you've had before. You know, there's a lot of other psychological components that are probably being treated through the use of this that should not be, these are not the drugs to use for that. And while we felt like we were starting to address it there, it's like, this dude was ready for discharge in a few days. And pain clinics are like, well, I think this is drug-seeking behavior. And I was like, okay, but how do we still treat the person, but also manage this? Yeah. yeah. What you do, your specialty, part of it is managing drug-seeking behavior. And drug-seeking <laughs> behavior shouldn't be like, you don't get access to care. It's like, mm -hmm. how do we treat the th reason why you're here? And also, how do we help you with these behaviors and work through that? And that's the part we never touch well. <laughs> the prescriber gave them an opioid, ended up reigniting their previous struggles with the drug and then moving to other drugs. So by the time I met this patient, they ended up having endocarditis, blebs everywhere, oscillator, like 
the whole Whoa. night. And it was literally because they had said, please don't prescribe this to me. I know I can't do it. They prescribed it anyway, even though it was the three-day course. And it just backslid for this patient. And it was a terrible outcome. And I, it's hard because we weren't seeing that patient. But at the same time, when someone says no, respect the no. Right. Well, and that was the problem I had even with the pain clinic. They're like, well, just prescribe him this on discharge and then he won't have any more. And I was like, but he's going to find something to replace it. In what world do you not have any more? Right. Like there's other options. Why don't we use the safe option? Right. Right. <laughs> and not the one where he's going to grow a farm on his mitral valve. Mm, yeah. Mitral valve farms are they're tricky little things, I think. They are. They spread. Mm. Hmm. What else you got? I don't know. We've been. So this is Vernacular with Miss Vegas. And Mr. Ventricle. Today we're going to talk about a Menti Bay. What is a Menti Bay? Well, Mr. Ventricle, I think that a Menti Bay is when you're having some struggles that even the great British Bake Off can't fix. So is this what some of those yanks might call a mental breakdown? You know, I think a really good um, example of someone who did not get the help that they should have had before this happened was our unfortunate gal, Brittany. And this poor gal, she clearly was crying for help. And people just did not listen, right? So she felt like she had to take it into her own hands. Uh, others who have been very active about their mental health and wellness would be Demi Lovato. And, you know, I think somebody else that just brings me joy, who I cannot imagine ever having a mentee be, uh, is Paul Rudd. Chip, chip, cheerio. <laughs> don't you think so? He is just so timeless. He's actually aging backwards. He is He's like Benjamin better. Button. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Have we met before? In Liverpool, I believe. Oh. Were you there for the Taylor Hawkins show? Ariana Grande? Oh, no. No. It was a different Mr. Ventricle. I'm sorry. Do you have any family? No. I know a woman in Manchester. Oh, dear. That's and a man in Womanchester. Well, hopefully they don't have any minty bays. Do you have any tips for anyone, Mr. Ventricle? Feel like I'm in the worst episode of Downton Abbey. <laughs> you don't feel like we're in the crown. I thought we're pretty royal. You're royally what something. Princess, what would Princess Diana Ploplea tell us to do? Mr. Ventricle, you know this. She would say help others. Oh, too soon. <laughs> too soon, Mr. Ventricle. She is a queen. Sort of like George of the Jungle. Watch out for that tree. Mr. Ventricle. That was more Sonny Bono, actually. Yes, Mr. Ventricle. Apologize to Princess Diana Ploplea. Sorry, Princess Di. Thank you. Ugh. Now we have to deal with Camilla and Charles. Okay, but seriously, what would Princess Diana Ploplea tell us to do? She would say, yes, your cup must be filled. And it should be filled with coffee, right? We don't do tea. Did she drink and coffee? I, who knows? She was a mysterious enigma of a woman. But your cup should be filled, and you have to find a way to fill it. And if it means asking someone for assistance, that's okay. But you should also find ways to fill it yourself. Sometimes you should say, my feet are up. 
husband, wife, partner, dog, please go get me the things that fill my cup. Other times, one should be on their feet, assisting others with their cup, no? At some point, you just have to accept what is, and that's the way the crumpet crumples. Did you know that you can find us on Instagram at Ponds and Recreation or on Twitter at Ponds Rec for more content? Follow us for fun and memes. <laughs>